Oh, hello, Texans. Welcome to the program. Mark Vandermeer with you with John Harris and the General John McClain. I know many of you are waterlogged right now, maybe stuck in a lot of traffic with all the rain we've had. Take your time. Be patient. Hang out with us. We'll talk some ball here, and let's start it off with the general, like we do every Thursday. But before we get to you, John, injury report information, limited participation today. This is a good thing because Tank Dell went from no practice yesterday to limited today with that calf injury. That's good news to see. Noah Brown still limited with a knee. That's what he was yesterday. And there's some other bits of good news here, like Jimmy Ward, full participation with that hammy after not practicing yesterday. Very nice. Laramie, George Fant, I think they take that Wednesday off for rest and things like that. Is that on the list here? I don't know. Oh, Laramie's got a knee listed here. Anyway, and Fant has a hip, but they both practiced full. C.J. Stroud, full with a thigh. He was full yesterday. And Jake Hansen, welcome back to full participation with a hamstring and hand injury. But... The concerns here, Sheldon Rankins did not practice elbow injury. Dalton Schultz did not practice hamstring injury. Second consecutive day off for those two. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Good evening, John. Thoughts on the injury report and the weekend that is upon us with the Denver Broncos invading Sunday at noon. Yeah, I'll be shocked if Dalton Schultz plays, and that's a big blow. He he didn't do anything in a game the other day because he got hurt. And when you don't practice because of hamstring, it doesn't magically heal itself. And so I think he's out. Now, Rankins, if he's out, they've got other defensive tackles. They've got other defensive tackles who've played well. But Schultz, they don't have another tight end who's produced. Brevin Jordan played more, I think, against the Jags than he has. He can catch and he can get opportunities. But the best thing is all the wideouts should be back. And, uh, you know, this is such a big game, just like last last game was a big game. You know, they can't afford to lose two in a row at home and let Denver leapfrog them and uh, move up into the first spot out or the first spot in in place of the Colts. Every game is essential to win. Of course, not going to win them all, but they can control their fate if they just beat Denver. Then they got to go to New York. They don't have to play Aaron Rodgers, and, you know, when they play play Tennessee twice with rookie Will Levis, then they're going to play Cleveland with probably Joe Flacco. And that last game, I think it'll be so cool if 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 it is a huge game, just like the last game was last year, but for an entirely different reason. Hey, Mark, did you say Tank Dell practiced? He did practice, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yes. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that we were we were good on that. Hey, General, what do you make of the Texans making a waiver claim on Derek Barnett, former Philadelphia Eagle? Well, considering they couldn't rush anybody on Sunday and had their worst pass rush game of the year, John Grenard and Will Anderson Jr. mustered only three pressures. They only knocked down Trevor Lawrence twice and no sacks. Barnett, he's had spurts in his career, in which he's pretty good. You know, Philadelphia's got the deepest defensive line in the league. I thought that was really good move by Nick Casario to do that, and he should be eager to get in there and prove himself. And uh, they need all the help up front they can get because if they can't rush the passer, then you're going to have a guy like Trevor Lawrence have the second most prolific game of his career and the most prolific game of the season. General C.J. Stroud, the awards keep coming in. I mean, I'm losing track of the amount of records 
and awards. We need an awards and record tracker for C.J. Stroud. It's amazing. AFC Offensive Player of the Week. It's Offensive Player of the Week, and you got Offensive Player of the Month in the National Football League. It is outstanding stuff, what he's putting together. I know it was a loss last week, but he continues to produce at such a high level. He has shown, and I thought that was his most impressive game. And the reason is he was under relentless pressure. They struggled big time to block Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, they just, the Jaguars, they got an underrated pass rush. They couldn't run block. They couldn't pass protect. So Stroud had to throw on the run. He was the leading rusher. Threw for two, ran for one. And I saw he was pressured on pro football focus 60.9% of the time. I was successful 54% of the time. And that was number three uh, going back to 2018 among all quarterback so he has showed he can move the ball that he can score and uh, and I think as long as he's healthy they're going to be in games and uh, he was just tremendous against the Jaguars and as many bad things as they did of going brain dead and having to burn two timeouts uh, giving up four pass plays of 42 yards or more, couldn't run the ball worth a darn, couldn't protect him, didn't get the quarterback, and yet they came within inches of forcing overtime. I thought, sure, that field goal was going in, and they go into overtime, and Stroud would win the game. Well, General, you and I were thinking the same thing. I was sitting on that crossbar and saw a thing hit the upright, and it's just that noise of doink. I mean, it's... If any noise has the like right exact uh, verbiage, doink <laughs> is it because that's exactly what it sounds like when it hits uh, hits that upright. General, the Broncos coming in, it's it's an interesting group because they start one and five. They give up seventy points at Miami. You know, Sean Payton looks like this experiment is a complete disaster, and then they win a game here, they win a game there, and all of a sudden they keep winning. They keep turning teams over. How how big of a threat do you think Denver is? If you could put Denver on a pedestal, are they are they of Jacksonville caliber? Are they of Indianapolis caliber? Or are they just playing above their skis? I think they're like the Texans and they're like the Colts. They're they're playing better than anybody thought, and they have a coach of the year candidate just like the Texans and the Colts do, and. And the fact that Sean Payton turned him around from that early disaster is just amazing to me. Just amazing. And I can't really judge their stats early because of the 70 points in their, in their, in their winning streak. They've given up eight touchdowns. They give up 10 against Miami. They have 22 takeaways to lead the league. They have, 15 in the last four games, you know, they're running overall. Their running game is not, is uh, not very good, but lately in the winning streak, they're averaging 127 yards. Russell Wilson, he doesn't have to pull games out at the last minute anymore. He's a game manager, but he leads the NFL touchdown to interception ratio, 20 to four. Stroud's 19 to five in the red zone. He has 17 touchdowns and zero interceptions. So when he gets close to the goal line, he's been good. But what the Texans do well, stop the run. They stop the run great against the Jaguars. They, they're they eighth in the NFL 
And over the last seven games, they're giving up only 82 yards rushing. So I think they're going to shut down the Broncos running game. And the Broncos will keep running, keep running, even if they average three yards of carry because they don't want to have to put it on Russell Wilson's shoulders. Russell Wilson, of course, is 3-0 and against the Texans. And uh, uh, or it's 3-0 or 4-0, I can't remember. He's unbeaten against the Texans. And it would be good time for them to hand him his first defeat. Yeah, I, I look at this game, and I feel that way. If you could slow down the run, force them to play at a higher level, take away what they love most, takeaways. Take away their takeaways. Protect the football. Don't get overly conservative. But if they don't get their two or three takeaways, they're not winning most of these games in this streak. But credit them. They've gotten them, and they're 6-5 and five, just like the Texans. General, also 6-5, and five, the most despised team in the history of my life, the Indianapolis Colts who are facing the Tennessee Titans in Nashville this week, and I just can't stand them. But here they are. They are actually ahead of the Texans in the AFC South because they beat them, and I am not very happy about the situation. What do you think of this matchup this weekend in Nashville? I thought you hated the Titans. You hate everybody in the I, AFC South. Kind of, yeah, I kind of do, yeah. Well, the Titans are 4-0 Guilty. at home, and um, – Mike Vrabel is capable of leading his team to an upset. He's capable. It'll be a low-scoring game. Will Levis is the quarterback. He didn't throw an interception against Atlanta. Derrick Henry ran for two touchdowns. They're hurting at the wide receiver, hurting at tight end, hurting their offensive line. But Vrabel is the kind of coach who can pull an upset. I'm guessing, or I'm predicting Tennessee is going to beat the calls, which is good Ooh. for the Texans, but then the Texans got to sweep the Titans. Yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. We got to beat the Broncos and the Jets <laughs> first. But we'll, we'll get there, of course, um, and then hopefully we will uh, sweep the Titans. General, the Jaguars play on Monday night at home for the first time in I don't know how long it's been, and they get the Joe Burrow less led Bengals team. Do you give the Bengals a shot? on Monday night to go to Duval County and knock off the Jags for us? Jake Browning, uh, I don't think so. But the Jags have been mm. mediocre at home, as the Texans found out. I believe they're 3-3 three and three and, they're, and they're unbeaten on the road. They have a road winning streak going back to last season, longer than any team in the league. So they're vulnerable. Could Browning go down there and pull an upset? Can they run the ball? I mean, Bengals have a lot of talent. But, boy, Trevor Lawrence looked good. They couldn't run. But their pass rush, and Josh Allen, if he's getting all over C.J. Stroud, he's going to get all over uh, Browning. So I think the Jaguars will win it. They got a pretty easy schedule. They got one team that's any good on the remaining schedule. You know, they're talking about trying to sneak in there and get home advantage while the Chiefs and the Ravens are playing tougher schedules. They want to sneak in and get everybody to play at home. And you know what? If you had to go to Jacksonville, Kansas City, or Baltimore, where would you want to go? You'd want to go to North Florida. Every single time, except our favorite restaurant, Strip Mall Ribs, doesn't serve ribs anymore. So they're going to lose that name, and the Jags will lose the game in the playoffs. So, General, you or Johnny mentioned Monday Night Football. Week, let's go to Week 15 here and talk flexing for a moment. 
And before we do that, the Texans game was flexed to noon, which is, I guess, a little odd. We'll hear from Mike North, director of VP of broadcast planning in the league, a little bit later on in the show as to how the Texans got flexed to noon. But it means they reach more of the country with the would-be number one CBS broadcast team. Nance and Romo are off this weekend because they worked hard. They worked Thanksgiving, then the following Sunday, so they gave them this week off for some reason. So it's Ian Eagle and Charles Davis doing the game, but it's the number one CBS game, Texans-Broncos. Anyway, another flex, Monday Night Football flex for the first time ever. It's Eagles-Seahawks in a couple of weeks, week 15, in the Pacific Northwest. The Patriots and Chiefs were taken out of that Monday nighter. Thank goodness for everybody. But, General, why did they think the Patriots were going to be good this year? I understand not thinking they're going to be a two-win team at this point, but, my goodness, the Patriots and Chiefs, they thought this was going to be a good idea in Week 15. Thoughts on New England, your latest, what's going to happen, when are the changes going to come? I'll tell you why they thought the Patriots were going to be good enough to attract a national office, a national audience. They hired Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien was supposed to go in there and coach Mac Jones and turn his career around. And Mac Jones was supposed to play like he did as a rookie. And Bill Belichick was going to bounce back with all the negativity and their defense was going to be good. Now they're the worst team Belichick's ever had. And that includes Cleveland and one of the worst of Patriots history. And that includes when they've had the first pick in a draft. And uh, thank goodness, I'm tired of the Patriots under any circumstance. If I never had to see them on TV again, I'd be happy. And I'm getting that way with the Chiefs just because they're so good and they win so much. But uh, I'm glad they flexed that game out. And the thing about the Texans getting this bigger audience, who gives a rat's you-know-what about who's broadcasting (laughs) the game? It's how they play, and it's how they look, and all those people are going to get their first chance, a lot of them, to see C.J. Stroud and what he's capable of doing as a rookie. He could end up with the greatest season in history for a rookie quarterback. He's headed in that direction. And by the way, I haven't seen this one. Maybe I haven't looked closely. And it comes courtesy of Philip Boudreaux, the outstanding statistician for the Texans and the Astros. He said that uh, Watson twice and Schaub and now C.J. have thrown for 300 yards in four consecutive games. Nobody's done it in five. So if Watson can do it, he will set another Texans record as he zeroes in on NFL records like uh, nine 300-yard games. He's got six. Nine would break Justin Herbert's record. And I tell you what, I've watched a lot of quarterbacks in this league, and I've watched a lot of them in Houston. And I had a blast watching Dan Bastarini and Warren Moon and Steve McNair and Deshaun Watson, but there's never been any that I liked watching as much as I do Stroud right now because it's where he's brought this team from where they were to where they are. And I don't care what happens here on out. People are going to be so pumped about next season. Yeah, no doubt. There's a lot left in this season general. And the, the player that Carolina Panthers passed over was CJ Stroud. So they could draft Bryce young and Carolina land is not great right now as Frank Reich was shown the door. General, uh, what do you make of just everything that's gone on in Carolina with Frank Reich uh, being fired? He had taken back play calling, which felt like a direct slap in the face to Dave Tepper, who wasn't going to take it anymore um, because he's twisted sister. What do you what do you make of the Carolina situation? 
It's a dumpster fire. It starts with owner David Tepper, who fires coaches during the season, not just his Panthers coaches, but his soccer coaches. And even though there'll be a lot of people want the job, the favorite to say is Ben Johnson from the Detroit. He interviewed here last year. They liked him a lot. He said I, he did like D'Amico did the year before. I, and hopefully Bobby Sloak will this year. I need another season as a coordinator. He goes back to Detroit. People over there thinking, well, he's from North Carolina. He wants to come back here. If if I am Ben Johnson, I don't want to go where they don't have picks. They Their offensive line is awful. They don't have playmakers. They do have a talented young quarterback, but no weapons around him. And if Justin Herbert is available to go coach him with the Chargers, that's where I want to go if I'm Ben Johnson or any offensive coordinator because I wouldn't want to work for David Depper. There's talk now, well, he tried to hire Bill Belichick. Can you see Belichick with Tepper? He would have to have every clause in his contract that he never even had to look at Tepper, much less him interfering. But uh, that is a bad situation. And you know what's so worse? What when is- he called Frank Reich Reich twice. Yeah, that was bad. That that's was bad. Dumb. Like, he doesn't know that. Yeah, that's That was dumb. terrible. Apparently that was awful. Apparently, that's what he does. I read, a, I read an article uh, at some point about it, and apparently that's what he does to belittle people that have left or that he's fired. That's just his way of doing it. And, oh, by the way, General, while, while we're here, just real fast, uh, I think it was Joe Person, uh, who is the longtime Charlotte – uh, beat reporter for the Panthers who asked, raised his hand at the press conference, was never called on. That was Scott Fowler. He's a columnist since 1994. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Scott Fowler, what'd you make of that whole situation about how Fowler was sort of frozen out in only a 10 minute press conference that Tepper held? Very petty. Obviously, the owner had told him, do not call on Scott Fowler because he wrote a negative column about the owner. And if they, if they hadn't called on everybody, that asked, that wrote or tweeted or broadcast negative things, Tepper would have been asking himself questions. General, who's going to win between the 49ers and the Eagles this weekend? I think that the 49ers are favored by three there. Infuriates the Eagles. They've played a tough schedule. They played a great game to beat Buffalo. Jake Elliott kicking that 58-yard field goal in the wind and the rain was one of the best I've ever seen right up there with Vinatieri in the snow. And Eagles just got something magical going on. Jalen Hurts, leading candidate to be the MVP. But I'll say this, whoever wins that game, if they play an NFC championship game, it's going to be hard to beat the other team two times. So the loser uh, is not all bad, but it sure would help Philadelphia to get closer to home advantage. And I got to say something about all the Cowboy fans out there listening. I wish I had thought of this, but I retweeted whoever tweeted it uh, after Thanksgiving, that if the Cowboys could just play bad teams in the playoffs, they win another Super Bowl. <laughs> well, that's just a question I was about to go with, so I won't go there. Uh, but, General, I, I've sensed some noise and some disruptance, uh, disturbance in the force in Buffalo with Sean McDermott. I read something today that said McDermott's going to be there. Don't worry about that. But it does sound like the Buffalo faithful not as happy with Sean McDermott lately for a number of things that have gone on. 
Do you think there's any sort of hot seat for McDermott in Buffalo? No, absolutely not. Jim Graham, who's covered him forever, he's the one that had that story. He said they stole him. Absolutely not. Now, McDermott, remember, took over the call in the defense. And 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 then, of course, the Yara Dorsey and Brady's done a good job. You know, they almost won that game, Philadelphia. They're 6-6, six and six, and if I'm the Texans, that's the team I'm worried about the most, not Indianapolis or Denver, but Buffalo, because they do have so much talent. Josh Allen is so talented. He makes big plays, and they get games at home where the weather is a huge advantage. So I see them uh, getting a wild card berth and the Texans, Broncos, and Colts competing for the last wild card berth. Fortunately for the Texans, they play both of those teams, and they need to win them. General, one week from tonight, we'll be talking about going to play the New York Jets at the Meadowlands. They host the Falcons Yippee-ki-yay. this week. A couple of things. All right, so who's going to win that game? And then Aaron Rodgers, does he not actually have the full Achilles tear or does he have something else? What do you make of this comeback attempt, him throwing the ball at practice, everybody looking like uh, it's the Zapruder film when they watch this practice video? What do you make of it? Because of him signing there, then because of his injury, he's made them relevant, even though their team's awful. Their, their passing game is awful. And right now they're not running the ball like they did. Defense is still great. I think they'll win this game because – uh, I think they're they're lifted, they're uh, motivated because of Rodgers. But he has said he's not anywhere near ready to come back. And if they're out of it, he's not coming back. I think they're going to be out of it, and he won't come back. And that'll be a great test for C.J. Stroud to go up against a great defense, get ready for the Titans and the and the Browns, and and of course the Colts. And uh, I remember, in, was it seventeen that the Texans played? on a Saturday and uh, Sam Darnold was 18. Sam Darnold was a rookie, had a great game. Deshaun Watson had a great game. The Texans won, but all the fans in New York were saying in the media, man, we finally got a quarterback, a franchise quarterback in Sam Darnold. Yeah, Sam Darnold, that didn't go over so well. But the Jets last year had Joe Flacco, and now Joe Flacco seems to be pulling the trigger for the Cleveland Browns. John Howe, this is so hard because you just don't know what Flacco's got. But does Flacco give them more of a shot than Dorian Thompson-Robinson gives them? Absolutely. Thompson-Robinson doesn't know where he is. He's a rookie. He's way out of his league. And I think that uh, – and, and poor old P.J. Walker, same situation. All Flacco has to do is go in there and don't turn it over. You know, rely on your running game. Rely on a great defense. They've been getting a red – great field position so they have to travel for they don't have to travel as far as other teams to score and they don't score much but i think having flacco come out of retirement even if he does a shell of what he used to be will be better than what they have general what do you make of the aggies coaching hire and are you a little sad in a way i mean how do you feel about the big 12 the way it's going to go from now on, this is UT and OU, their last hurrah. It is finally over. We had one season to sort of enjoy the whole thing together, and now it's going to be changed forever. What are your emotions and feelings about that? Because it really does 
distance us from the Southwest Conference even further, emotionally and otherwise? <laughs> I don't give a damn. I just wish they, Texas hadn't won the championship. And I wish they played OU in the, in the conference championship instead of Oklahoma State. Don't you know Mike Gundy would give a year's salary to beat Oklahoma and Texas in their last year in the Big 12, send them off to the SEC. And uh, I do admire what Sarkeesian has done with the Longhorns. First title since 2009. But can you imagine what it would be like if they lost this game to Oklahoma State? I don't think they will, but there's a chance. As far as the Aggies, uh, so many coaches use them to get raises for their clients, as you should. But every Aggie I know likes Mike Elko. And if they're happy about it, I'm happy about it. General, what do you got you going su- on on your platforms? All right, go ahead, Johnny. Have- one more. Go ahead. Oh, go one, ahead. More, one more quick one. Were you surprised that Dave Aranda was retained, John? No, I knew he wasn't going to get fired two years after he had the greatest season in yeah. school history. He didn't just get stupid in two years. <laughs> what he didn't do, and he admitted he didn't believe in NIL, so he didn't get with the program. Now their they're BU really means NIL. Well, you know what? They're way behind. And it's not going to turn around in one year. And they hired uh, Jake Spivito uh, as our offensive coordinator after firing Jeff Grimes. And uh, I'll say this. They couldn't be any worse. But Aranda's a good guy. He led Baylor to his greatest season ever. I don't think he should have been fired. Good. All right, General. What do you have? I have a column that uh, I have one from earlier in the week about if history had been a little different, D'Amico Ryans could be at Denver and Sean Payton could be here and they'd be playing each other on Sunday and how close did they come to doing that. And then I've got one now that is about if the Texans give up the explosive plays like they've been giving up in recent games, they're not going to win this game. And so they've got to cut back on that. Having Jimmy Ward will certainly help having him back there. And uh, and then I'll have my – I'm working now on my five things to watch in the game. Thank you, General. We appreciate it as always. Thank you, guys, very much as always. I still wake up two or three times a week minimum and say, oh, thank goodness D'Amico Ryans is our head coach. That is the case. All right. Also on the case, John Harris and I doing – Who's better, or is it more likely to happen? You'll just have to wait and find out. It's coming up next, involving plenty regarding your Texans, the rest of the NFL, and then we'll talk about the TV situation for the Texans this weekend, time change, Houston Methodist Minutes. we got a lot to do before the close of business tonight. It's Texans Radio. Continuing with the program, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you as we await kickoff between the Texans and the Broncos on Sunday. Super fired up for that and also fired up for this. It's more likely to happen. Johnny, you ready to go? I am ready to go. Let's roll. More likely to happen. All right. More likely to happen. C.J. Stroud wins the MVP award or Dak Prescott wins the MVP award. More likely to happen, Johnny. What do you think? C.J. Stroud wins it because wow. Dak, Dak's got to go play on the road. So okay. that's a that's a big deal. Zach's got uh, Dak's got to go play on the road and at home. Dak's incredible. Mm. Have you seen the Have you seen the the outcomes that Dallas has here? Dallas is check this out at home. They won nineteen to though they lost nineteen to wait. Oh, 
that's why I'm in the wrong year. I knew something was wrong. Okay. They beat the Jets at home by 20. Right. They beat the Patriots at home by 35. Yeah. They beat the Rams at home by 23. Beat the Giants at home by 32. Mm. They beat the Commanders at home by 35. Wow. So, at home, they're unbelievable. At home, they're unbelievable. But on the road, at Arizona, lost by 12. At Philly, lost by 5. At San Francisco, lost by 32. Okay, but before the end of the regular season, this is a regular season award. Yes, it is. All right, on the road, Dak's going to go to Miami. Dak's going to go to Washington to conclude the regular mm-hmm. season. Dak does have the Eagles at home after the Thursday nighter yep. with Seattle. So they get the mini buy going into the Eagles. Correct. As we've discussed, this is not easy. They get the Bills on the road as well. Yes. Yeah, to your point, that's going to be tough for him. He's not going to be able to get over the hump on Philadelphia. That's going to cost him the MVP. Yeah, I think that's that's the that's the deal. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think either one of them will end up winning this. This feels like this year it's defaulting to best player and best team. I think Jalen Hurts will be in it. I don't know that Jalen has really played. I thought Jalen played better last year. Um, but when you have games against Buffalo and you bring your team back from behind against the Chiefs, then I think Jalen's going to get a lot of mention. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes will always get mm-hmm. a lot of mention. CJ should. There's no question. I feel like Tyreek Hill should get a ton of mention. I don't think this thing is done yet. At I don't all. think. Yeah. I, I think, think. But I think Tyreek Hill. I noticed it when we were in training camp, Mark. Whenever Tyreek was off the field, our defense shut them down, hmm. down like did nothing. Now Jalen Waddle wasn't playing either, but they did nothing. Tyreek went on the field, and all of a sudden they could do whatever they wanted to. So to me, Tyreek could very e- not easily. He's not going to win it. He's not going to win it, but. If he goes over 2,000 yards as a receiver, yeah. there's got to be a discussion had about him. Well, I, I like it if a non-quarterback gets in there, at least in the conversation. J.J. Watt should have won it once he upon a time. He should have won it in 14. Maybe, maybe. Yes, he should have. Uh, did make the playoffs that year. Had they made the playoffs, I think that might have skewed a few I think things. You're right. Uh, but let's get to the next one more here. More likely to happen. All right, more likely to be gone after this season. Brian Dable or Dennis Allen? Should I throw in Brandon Staley as well? No, that's a done that's deal. That's too easy. That's too easy. That's but too easy. Allen, they're five and six hanging in there in the NFC South, and I'll get to them again in this segment. Don't worry. And Dayball, the Giants, look, is it just, oh, the quarterback got hurt. It's a disaster. We've had some decent games. Maybe you give him another shot here. How many times did they want to go through this coaching change thing? You're right. That's, that's the question right there at the mm-hmm. end. They've done – two years with each of their last two, three guys in, in yeah. New York. They've got to have some stability. I think I think Dable's closer to the coach last year than this year. Um, I do think they were – they took advantage of Saquon Barkley's really strong year last year and him staying healthy. Daniel Jones doing enough in games. And obviously Dexter Lawrence is arguably the best interior defensive player in the league. So those things all – converged last year for the Giants to get to the playoffs and do some things. This year, it's been the opposite. Now, Dexter's been still playing, but Barkley's been hurt at times. Daniel Jones has been hurt. Now they're going with Tommy DeVito. But (laughs) I just feel like Dable's going to be there. Brandon Staley, you mentioned you threw him in there. Brandon Staley's... uh, He's done. I I don't think there's any way. Unless they run the table or go five and one. It's got to be a run the table and do it with some panache get in the playoff talk that team could do it that team's got enough talent to do it they they could do it power dennis allen becomes interesting i the nfc south has been the same one year to the next Mm -hmm. 
struggling every everybody's struggling to get over 500 we already we've already seen what happened with um with the Panthers and Frank Reich Todd Bowles that's another one to watch yep I feel like whoever doesn't win this division we could have three new coaches in the NFC South. Wow. All right. I well, think let's, that let's get to the next one because okay. more likely to happen. I'm going to mix things here. More likely to happen. Aaron Rodgers comes back this year or the Bucks win the NFC South. <laughs> now, the Bucks are four and seven. They're game out, though. And the they, Bucks. Now, listen, they get Carolina twice uh-huh. and they still play the Falcons and the Saints once each. So they've got the games on their schedule that if they take care of their business, they can win this division. So Bucks winning the NFC South or Rodgers actually coming back. We all saw the footage of him stepping around, throwing the ball a little bit at practice. We discussed it with McClain. But what do you think of this? It was just a. There's an upper body shot. We really didn't see kind of the lower body, which obviously is what's hurt. He moved a little bit. He moved a little bit, and he's been walking and moving. Mark, I just really have a hard time, and I understand, and, and, and maybe saying this, I'm kind of a hypocrite, but I'll say it. If this is a true Achilles tendon tear and surgery to repair it, I don't know how a 40-year-old can come back in like 85 days or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that. I don't think that's plausible. There are I, those who speculate that it wasn't really a full tear or whatever. Okay, they, right. And so there that's the question. Was it a full tear? And at that point, you, who knows? So there have been so many moving targets on this. Oh, I'm going to come back after, oh, for Christmas Eve game. You know, I just want to come back. No, I'm only coming back if they're in the race. I think it's absolutely ludicrous to think that he's going to come back when the Jets are in the playoff hunt. Hmm. And at that point, there's no reason to give up draft status and spots just to see if your quarterback can still play. That makes no sense when you're putting him out there to risk injury again. And the fact that, okay, they could look pretty good and get to six and 10. It could cost them the number four spot versus the number nine spot in the draft. That's dumb. So I don't think it's dumb that they are investigating this 21 day window. And putting him in the window and saying, okay, let's let's just see what he's got. And you know what? In three weeks, we'll be able to say, nope. Or they'll be able to say, yeah. Now, even if the window to 21 days, even if that window is over and they say they bring him up and they say, yes, we've made him active. We've made him uh, put him on the roster. It doesn't mean they have to make him active. Yeah. No, you're right. So they could still go another couple weeks if they needed to. Yeah. I still don't think we're going to see him. Well, they look at the schedule, Falcons, Texans, then the Dolphins, Mm -hmm. Commanders, Browns, Patriots on the way out. Look, it's not going to happen, but it's interesting, and we'll be talking about it a lot next week because the Texans play against the New York Jets in Gotham or the shadows of Gotham because it's really New Jersey. So there's that. All right, next one here on more likely to happen. More likely to happen. Yeah, more likely to be a tougher game for the Houston Texans. I want to word it like this because who knows what happens when we get to Christmas Eve. But Denver at home, Cleveland. Oh, no, I'm going to go here. Forget about Cleveland. I'm, I'm dumping Cleveland from this question. Cleveland, okay. you've been eliminated from this question. Denver at home or Colts on the road? Let's say you were playing this week. What would be tougher, Denver at home or the Colts on the road? The Colts have the same record as the Texans. We know they beat the Texans earlier, but they have Gardner Minshew. Jonathan Taylor now out, but he didn't play in that first matchup. How did we lose that game? Anyway, here you are 
I'm giving you the question, Johnny. Colts at home this or Colts on the road this week or Denver at home? Which is tougher? I think Colts on the road. I just think going on the road, play a, a team like the Colts where they're getting confident. It's kind of like the Texans were. The Texans, each and every game that they played, that they kept winning, that started getting them more and more confidence. And the Colts, yes, no Jonathan Taylor. I think it does hurt them. But I this Broncos team, I watched them. I watched them last night. I watched them today again. And I look at it and think, man, they don't have a lot of really well-known names. But if you know the NFL, you know Justin Simmons. You know Patrick Sertan. Um, that offensive line is a lot better than people think. They added Ben Powers and Mike McGlinchey. And you think, well, that didn't add a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, it did. So this is a really sound and solid football team with the Broncos. However, the game's at home. Yeah. And that matters, I think, a lot in this matchup. So to me, having the opportunity to play that game at home is much doesn't make anything easier. But I'd much rather do that than go on the road and take on the Colts in that environment when the Colts are hot. We know how tough that can be with a hot Colts team in Lucas Oil. So I'm going to say this week, I would say it's much more difficult to go play the Colts on the road. All right, so you got Denver at home layup. Just kidding. Kidding, Denver people listening right now. It's a very tough game. I didn't say that. I didn't say it. I know. You didn't say that. I'm just messing around here. Final one. More likely to happen. More likely to win the SEC first. The Aggies or OU? The Aggies or Oklahoma? Who's going to win the SEC first? Because I'm not mm. going to include the Longhorns. They are by far a better program right now. Right? Mm-hmm. So I'll go with these two. What do you think? I'm going I know the Longhorns lost to OU in the you know, Red yeah, River yeah. rivalry and everything, but come on. No, I, I got you. I'm going to say it's the Sooners, and this is why I'm saying that. The Aggies have been in the SEC for since 2012. Yeah. So this is the 12th season this year. They have not gotten to an SEC championship game. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I'm going to roll with the unknown. Okay. Because I feel like the I feel like the Sooners program going into the SEC, I feel like one thing will happen that they'll get maybe a few more players to stay home. State of Oklahoma has got some Pretty solid football. I mean, it's a smaller state, so it doesn't have as many as Texas, et cetera. But I think they'll get a few more players to stay home instead of going to the SEC to play for somebody else. I think that will help OU football. Venables has already established himself with the program. I thought that Oklahoma was going to be 7-5 and five again this year. Yet, they ended up 10-2. They, they did some good things with Dylan Gabriel. Um, they're bringing in two co-offense coordinators that the state of Oklahoma loves and the, the Oklahoma program loves. I'm not saying it happens immediately, but I do think that Oklahoma, I think, is going to be a little bit. I'm going to put them up there just based on the unknown and the fact that Brent Venables has been in the last couple of years and already established what he wants out of the program. Now they just have to get to a different level to make sure they go 12 and 0 or 11 and 1 in the SEC. Going to be tough, but I think they'll be able to do it in due time. So I'm going to go Aggies. You had your chance for 12 years, didn't make. So I'm going to go Sooners. Do you like the Elko hire? Yeah, I do. I do, actually. I do. I was actually asked today about a Texans coach joining the Aggie staff, which Ooh. oh, I was mm. like, no, Gerard Johnson, nope. please stay here. But don't do it. I, I, yeah. But you know the pull for a lot of people in their alma maters. It can be tough, you know, and I would imagine at A&M, which we know, A&M's got 
blank checkbook to be able to say, what do you want? And they can they can do it. It's a career path changer, though. That's true. If you go that to the college ranks, true. which is I agree. There's nothing that. wrong with that. It's a preference thing. I feel like Gerard Johnson is going to be able down the road in the NFL be able to do whatever he wants to do. Yeah, I agree. Now, does he want to do that at the NFL level? Does he want to do it at the college level? Got to make the decision. This is a and it's it's early in his coaching career to have to do that, but that just shows you the potential he has to be a tremendous coach down the road. So. They were asking me about that, but I, I like the Elko hire. I actually thought Mark Stoops would be fine, too, but I like the Elko hire. I, in fact, I was thinking you can ask Andre and Robert Hensley. We were sitting there at the table eating uh, lunch in Cincinnati that morning. We're sitting there talking about it, and I said, Mike Elko. And Trey's like, ah, yeah, that's it. That's the guy. So it ended up being the guy. We got there eventually, so I think Elko is going to be a really good hire for them. And now what's the buyout? I'm kidding. <laughs> It's not too as so, high. Too soon. It's not as too high. soon. Too soon. Yes. Too okay. Soon. Next up, why is this game the number one game on CBS? But Nance is not a part of it. We'll get to that. We'll refresh. And Houston Methodist minutes. Start your New Year's workout now. Why? We'll tell you. It's Texans Radio. Final segment here on Texans Radio tonight. The Texans-Broncos game will be seen by the majority of the country. It is the number one CBS game. It will not have Jim Nance and Tony Romo because they're getting a weekend off some for some reason because they worked two games last week. So I guess a week off wasn't enough. I'm just teasing you, Jim. But Ian Eagle, Charles Davis, they will have the call on TV. More importantly on radio, it's your Texans radio crew. But here is VP of Broadcast Planning in the NFL, Mike North, talking about scheduling the game at noon to get more eyeballs on it. It is a little ironic that we're moving a Texans game into a noon window to try to get it more exposure. It's usually the other way, um, moving out of a noon window and into, you know, seven o'clock or or Monday night. Um, that's generally how flex works. But in this particular instance, given, um, you know, what the Sunday afternoon packages looked like that day, we thought this was the right move. And I, I think as we look ahead to 2024, it's not only going to be about uh, the late doubleheader windows, Sunday nights and Monday nights for the Texans. It's also going to be about these noon windows becoming more of an anchor team um, as opposed to seeing yourself in 8, 10, 12% of the country each week. You're going to start to see these games in 20, 25, 30% each week. And like I said, hopefully against Denver, we're, we're talking almost 50% of the country getting to watch that game. So There's Mike North, VP of Broadcast Planning for the NFL, and you would assume the Texans keep doing well. They're going to get a whole bunch of primetime opportunities next year and in the years to come. All right, Houston Methodist Minutes. You're eating. It's the holiday season. Maybe it's time to start the workout from the New Year's plans now. Rachel Poe, outreach athletic trainer with Houston Methodist, joins us to talk about this. Getting you started. Rachel, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? Doing well. Now, I wanted to ask you a few questions that apply to every human pretty much, and that is okay. the holidays are here. It's eating time in Houston, but it should be workout time, maybe, because a lot of people don't start their New Year's resolutions until the new year, which makes sense. But why not start now, I was thinking? Should people be starting their workout routine now if they don't have a consistent one already? 
Yeah, I think now is a great time to start, especially just before the holidays. You can get started in some sort of routine or a habit of yours before you have to travel or go to a lot of family events. At least you've got something started before everything gets really hectic for you, for sure. All right. So what are some things people can do that don't require, I was going to say don't require a lot of work, but I know it's no pain, no gain. But what about getting started? What's important about just having the boat leave the dock to use another metaphor what is important about that what can people do to get themselves going yeah i think it's so important just to do something right i think we build things up in our minds too where it sounds like it's going to be very difficult but just getting started that's the hardest part usually that's our biggest hurdle and really any movement is better than no movement going on a walk you know, maybe just climbing the stairs a few times, uh, parking further away from a store than you might normally do just to get some extra steps in. Um, there's so many things you can do at home too. I mean, push-ups, sit-ups, anything. You know, you don't need a gym membership to do those things. Push-ups and sit-ups. What other home exercises are there that we might be able to talk about here on the radio? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, squatting, lunging, like I said, those stairs, climbing stairs can be a great way to get going. Um, even maybe a little yoga. There's plenty of YouTube videos on how to start. You know, there's all kinds of resources out there that you can use to help you get started on a home workout. Rachel, what if I'm at the gym here and I'm not a regular gym goer, but I've read all about, hey, weight training is good for me. How should one get started in weight training? Um, I think reaching out to someone who knows a little bit more than you is always a good place to start asking for help as hard as that is. Right. But, um, you know, the first step too, is what are your, what are your goals? If your goal is to get stronger then kind of starting with those, you know, uh, basic lifts, a compound lift is what we call them. So like a squat or a deadlift, uh, a bench press, right. The main, the big ones we've all heard of, those are big ones we've all heard of because they're good for you and they recruit many muscle groups. So you get a lot of bang for your buck. All right. So as an athletic trainer, I know you must deal with diet. So what are some of the basic guidelines you have for them as they get started on a new workout routine? Um, I think a big thing that I see with my athletes uh, is that we need to make sure that we're getting some good protein sources in, especially after we work out. It's going to help you with some of that soreness that you feel when you first get started in a new workout routine. Uh, it helps you build muscle and it helps you kind of create that lean body mass that most of us are after. Um, otherwise, it's really just, you know, a lot of hydration um, and really getting some carbs in before you work out so that you have energy to complete your workout and still feel good afterwards. Sounds great. Great information, Rachel. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you for having me. There's Rachel Poe, Outreach Athletic Trainer with Houston Methodist. It's the official health care provider of the Houston Texans. Houston Methodist Leading Medicine, HoustonMethodist.org for more information. All right, that's going to do it for the show tonight. Tomorrow, we are loaded with great stuff, including Texans tight ends coach Jake Moreland. We'll kick off the show with D'Amico Ryans. We've got Shaq Mason coming on. A whole bunch of great stuff tomorrow night. Stay tuned and get this one on podcast wherever you get your fine podcasts. And don't forget to hit subscribe when you do that. Have a great evening. Go Texans.